Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student and hopefully a more productive one, because in this episode, I'm here with my friend Martin, as usual, not yo, always. Yo, Thomas What up, dude? Yo. And uh, we've, we've kind of teased this episode because we're going to talk about our productivity systems today and to kind of facilitate that topic we actually asked for your questions about our productivity systems on reddit and facebook and twitter and myspace and uh myspace we had some smoke signals going to the backyard yeah. you know we sent out a few ravens and we got some responses actually we got i think we got more questions than we anticipated getting yeah so well, especially because I only saw that you put the questions on Twitter. So I was like, this is a good amount. And then you were like, actually, we've got like triple that in these <laughs> because there are like four other sources. I put them everywhere. Can you imagine if we would have sent out the question to the email list? Oh, God, we would have like 400 questions. Allow us to create a 900 page essay on productivity. You know, I suppose like what I'm thinking of right now is if we had 400 questions, we'd have enough for doing the math here. 85 questions episodes yeah well, let's, just, <laughs> let's just do that and every questions episode will all it'll all be about productivity there we go yeah even and, though uh, this will not get repetitive i'm sure there are plenty of questions that are going to overlap we're just going to use them without vetting them well the thing mm. is if a same question shows up in a second episode i can just splice <laughs> in my answer my audio from the past one as if i said it exactly oh, the same now that's efficiency we can reuse our answers that is efficiency Genius. that's kind of like uh, we're making this new resources page and remember last night where I just copied the old description from a previous tool that we used to recommend and pasted it onto the, the new one. Yeah, it's not even the same tool, <laughs> but the description just fits. Yeah, I, I can be open oh. about that. Um, so we are completely redoing the resources page on College of Book Geek, which you can get to over at collegeofgeek.com slash resources if you're curious. And it's going to be, it's, you know, far better designed, but we're also vetting all the tools that we recommend and, and providing replacements if we need to. And we are now, re basically, we're recommending Wonderlist instead of Todoist. And I like Todoist, but I think Todoist kind of keeps a few really important features behind their paywall, like adding notes to tasks. Oh, yeah. Being unable to comment on your tasks yeah. unless you pay for premium. And unlike, unlike Wonderlist, it's cheaper than Wonderlist, sure, if you're willing to pay for a year up front. But what you, does Wonderlist cost? You can't, it's like, what, maybe for, well, Wonderlist is, I guess, free. It's cheaper than Wonderlist Premium. Yeah. Which is like five bucks a month, I think. I don't even know what you get. Oh, it's Wonderlist Pro. Gotta get it right, man. There's there's not uh, Premium, there's it's, Pro. It's actually Promium. Promium. That sounds like Chromium. It does sound like Chromium. What do you get? Unlimited assigning. You get Okay, like so if you're not, if you're not a boss, then need, you don't need really. this. Files of any size. You really but don't need that either. Unlimited subtasks. I think you can have like 20 subtasks. Like 25. 25 subtasks per task in Wonderlist and pro backgrounds. 
Yeah, honestly, I so, had Pro for a while just for the backgrounds and to support them. Yeah. Like, you don't need it. Whereas in Todoist, there are very important features that you can't mm-hmm. get without paying for. All the Wonderlist ones are bonuses. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to have more than 25 so it's, subtasks it's like, per task. If you have more than 25 subtasks per task, just make that task a list and then each one task thing, inside it. Be a yeah, subtask. that's very true. We hacked the system. I know one thing yeah. I wanted to talk about in this episode was Asana versus Trello because we use Asana exclusively now, but we used to use Trello yeah. and it's like an entirely different sort of thing. But would you call like it, Trello has the Kanban flow. So would you call each list its own task Wait, what list? Is, what is Kanban? What does that even mean? Kanban is What's a Japanese organization technique. Oh, it's okay. a Japanese I was word. spelling it in my head like C-O-N-B-O-N and I was like, that has to stand for something. Oh, no. I'm not finding any word. That's actually a bakery run by ex-cons. Oh, okay. So, like, you know. Yeah, duh. Clyde did a nickel for armed robbery, and now he makes your cinnamon bun. Okay. And he wears an apron. He's just the sweetest ex-con. Well, picturing that word in my head as Japanese, now now it's okay. I was just, like, looking for the etymology, and it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure out if even on our redesign project, which we did back in 2014... It looks like the most subtasks we ever had on a card were 10, I think. Well, yeah. If you have more than that subtasks, then maybe the task you're talking about is a project, not a task. Yeah, it sounds like a project it's to me. Not that big In which deal. case, it just deserves its own entire list. Yeah. So, anyway, all that to say, we are going back to recommending Wonderlist as our sort of best task manager for students. Which is interesting. I used to use Wonderlist as a student. And I think the only reason I didn't recommend it for the longest time is that I let my Wonderlist get really unorganized. And then I, as one does, needed to find a new tool to get oh, a little yeah. shot of dopamine. And I ran across Todoist, which I think is honestly still a very great service. Oh, it's nice. And uh, that worked really well for a long time. But I just started to, and I was paying for it. You know, it's not an expensive program. What is it like 12 bucks a year it, or it's something? It's like 12 or, or 20 a year. 20, it's, yeah, it's cheaper to get the premium. It's just that yeah. the stuff that's behind the premium paywall is more important. Yeah. So if you're looking for something free, I think Wonderlist is probably better. It's just that uh, I like Wonderlist backgrounds anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, it's 30 bucks a year. That's what it is for Todoist. And uh, Wonderlist would be what, 60? Yeah. So double the cost, but their premium features are something you don't even need. So effectively free, unless you're the kind of person that wants to add no details whatsoever to your tasks. And I think that's a little bit absurd if that's you. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, there will be new resource pages and a dorm buying guide and some really cool stuff up very soon. And on that note, Martin, I almost forgot to talk about this. Uh Oh, we have our first quote unquote sponsor on the College of Boogie podcast. Oh, yeah. And the sponsor oh, yeah. is you looking way more fly and attractive by ordering the brand new College of Boogie t-shirt. The College Info Geek t-shirt. <laughs> it's the dopest shirt you've ever seen. You put this shirt on, every human will want to date you. That's true. I don't true. care if it's a girl, a boy, or a wolfkin. Every human will want to date you if you put on this shirt. Do Just we want saying. wolfkins coming up and trying to date us? If they buy the shirt, I don't care. As, I guess so. Anyway, so, yeah, we've been working on it. Martin's girlfriend actually designed it. Yeah. So props to you, Ashley. So it's extra dope. Did we get a hashtag Ashley tip for this podcast? Uh, I don't think so. Also, I don't think I would take a productivity system tip from my girlfriend. 
Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, no offense. It's probably if you happen to listen to this. It's probably take breaks and read Harry Potter. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> that's you, know, you channeled her right there. That's her soul. That is. Yeah, I have become Ashley's spirit channeler. Yeah. But anyway, if you guys are familiar with DFTBA, which is the company run by John and Hank Green, who are the Vlog Brothers, I've been a huge fan of them forever. And um, I always wanted to have a T-shirt for College Info Geek. And you've probably seen me wearing the College Info Geek logo T-shirt before. I had those printed by a local printer a long time ago. They're they're fine. They're dandy, whatever. But I always wanted a T-shirt that wasn't just a logo. I wanted something that was really cool and actually said something. So... In the Reddit a few months ago, I put up a thread and I was asking, hey, I want to make a T-shirt, suggest some ideas for designs or slogans or whatever. And the top voted one was college ends learning doesn't, which I thought was a really great message. So I hired Ashley to design and she hand lettered this uh, the slogan. Slogan sounds like just a weird markety word. Yeah. What, what is it? A four word thing. That's not a slogan because I don't know. It's, uh, it's our it's our motto. It's our, our mantra. Motto. There we go. Mantra. That's a better it's our one. Mantra. Yeah. I meditate on this. Mantra reminds me of like mantis. Yeah. A little I'm bit. the mantra mantis. It's a meditating yeah. mantis superhero. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Take that one. Uh, I'll sell it to you for five bucks. Boom. Perfect. But uh, so I decided not to go with local printers here, and I was just a fan of DFTBA, and I, I reached out to him, and it ended up being a really good deal because what they do is they will buy a ton of shirts in bulk. And what that allows them to do, which on demand printers can't do is they can sell shirts for cheaper and they can sell them or they can use a better quality printing process because I guess, and I'm not an expert in the t-shirt industry, but the normal screen printing process for small batches of t-shirts is a little less durable. But if you go through a larger printer, they can use a more expensive. But overall, if you have a huge order, not as expensive process. Yeah. It's like scaling it's like up. Economies kind of, of scale. That's if the you word. Happen to be a business student. Hashtag college of business. Yeah. Hashtag college of business. Boom. Yeah. So anyway, if you go over to uh, and I'm just going to make up a URL right now because we haven't set up a short link yet, but it will be up by the time you listen to this podcast. Collegeinfogate.com slash go slash shirt. You can go over, you'll pop over the DFTBA page. The shirt is 20 bucks plus shipping, which I'm not sure what it'll be for your area, but they do ship basically everywhere, which is really cool. Like other countries? Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, they uh, they are legit. So right now, the sh- as, as we talk right now, it's August 9th, the shirt is on pre-order and um, my contact at DFTBA said she'd put in the order on the 15th, I believe. So if you order now, it's going to get to you in late August, I believe. But the more people who order now, the more of a showing we give to DFTBA and show them that like, hey, College of Boogie people do buy shirts. Yay. And they will be able to stock more. And in the future, more will be in stock and everything. If you happen to get one, you know, late August, early September, I would love it if you tweet me a picture of, of you wearing it. The crazier or stupider your picture, the better. I will probably retweet the best ones. Yeah. And I am certainly excited to get mine in the mail. You'll get famous. So anyway, yeah. Enough uh, blathering on about a shirt, but it'll be in the resources page as well. Let's talk about our productivity systems. Uh, we are uniquely positioned to talk about these, considering we've tried out like 3,000 <laughs> in the last four or five years. Yeah, that's true. So we took a bunch of questions for this, and I tried to sort of get rid of the duplicates and plug 
the questions into a little bit of an outline here so we can keep it sort of on, I don't know, organized in some way. It's going to be on fleek. On fleek. That's the right word for it. Yes. And I wanted to start out with just the apps and kind of the quote unquote system that we kind of run ourselves through. And the question that I thought related most to this was what kind of platforms like mobile or notebook or sketchbooks work best for different kinds of needs, such as your habits and your goals, events, tasks, those kind of things. And we mentioned Wonderlist, which is what I used to use, and it's still what I recommend for students because it's simpler. But we, what we use now is Asana. So Asana is also a freemium site, so you can use it for free, which we do, or you can pay for it if you need extra features. But the thing about Asana is I believe it is more set up for teams. And yeah. what you usually end up paying for is adding a certain amount of team members. So I don't remember what their premium level is, but I think we can have up to 10 people in our team for free, which we only have four. So yeah, 10 is plenty of people. We are. Yeah, we're totally good there. But I, I would say it's definitely more for teams. Mm -hmm. In fact, parts of the UX might even be a little bit of overkill if it's just you. Yeah. And that's the thing about Asana. It works really well for us because every time you create a task, there is an assigning box where I can assign it to a certain person and then I can set a due date. And then I can do other things like tagging it. I can set subtasks. I can attach files, which their Dropbox integration is really cool because if I click attach and then I do attach from Dropbox, it brings up a little Dropbox overlay and it will show my recent files, oh. which is great because anytime I'm going to attach something to a task, it's likely that I just created that asset and put it in Dropbox. So it's usually just sitting right there and I don't have to go looking for it. Well, that's cool. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. It's See, even I learned from this podcast. Yeah. So we use Asana for everything task related at this point, at least from a high level planning point of view. And I know if, you, if you've ever watched my video on my three tier task management system, I showed up to Doist in that one. Everything that Todoist was used for, except for groceries and personal stuff, has moved over to Asana. And the way we organize it in Asana is we have projects. And these projects are color coded by, I guess you could say their type. So there was one question in, in the Reddit, I believe, where they were asking, how do you manage different kind of projects? How do you manage projects that are ongoing and perpetual versus projects that are bounded by time? And they are both actually projects in Asana. So I have a videos project, I have a blog post project, and I have a podcast episode project. Those are the content projects. And the cool thing about Asana is you can create sections in that big task list inside of a project. So it's basically just a, a bolded section title with a line. And this is really nice for the content projects because say I've got my videos one. I have a scheduled section of that project where it's a video that I have decided I'm gonna do. I basically know more or less when it's gonna come out so I can assign it to myself I can give it a due date and I can start dumping a little bit of detail in there. Most of the research still goes in Evernote, but when I create the project or the, the task in Asana, I'll kind of dump a little bit of ideas just because I want to get it out of my head and make sure I don't forget anything. And then uh, underneath that scheduled little section, there's the ideas section. And this is just a huge brain dump of every possible video idea that I have. And there's probably 40 or 50 topic ideas in there right now. Those are not scheduled. I don't know when they're going to happen, but they are at least in the videos project. So if I need an idea for a video, it's all there. Perfect. 
podcast episode is even better because the podcast is kind of this two different episode type kind of show where one episode type is with me and Martin and then one episode type is with guests. So I've got a subsection for guest ideas. I have a subsection for people who have been contacted. So I know, okay, I've, I've already emailed this person. I'm kind of waiting on a reply from them. And then I've got a subsection for topic ideas that I'll do with Martin. And then we have our, our normal scheduled thing as well, which those are actually assigned to you. So yep, I guess you can kind of take over from here. How do you manage the podcast section? Well, literally, I just look at what's coming up and plan for the next several weeks at a time. I try not to hmm. look too far ahead, but since they're assigned to me, it means I can see them in my personal view. So in the personal view, you can move things from like there's a today and then there's a, a later or an upcoming section. So I basically oh, yeah. throw everything into upcoming or later and then collapse those sections and then only look at whatever I said was okay for today. And if I run out of stuff today, then I'll drag some more in there. So, oh, is there a different view that you use? Um, I use the tasks by due date view. Do you uh, use that one as maybe? well? I don't know. I actually don't know. I've never seen the view you're using. Okay. I don't have a today section, which is interesting, but I do have a later one, which I try to keep collapsed because yeah. that's one of the things you run into. And I mean, to be completely honest right now, because we're doing back to school stuff, my Asana is a little bit unorganized and I need to do a reset for it. But one of the problems you run into with these giant overarching task management systems is you look at your today view or you look at your basically just your big list of tasks you have and it gets overwhelming. Yeah. Like the most important thing I do with Asana is make sure that I cannot see stuff that is not important right now. Mm -hmm. That's that's basically it. I don't use a lot of the extra fancy stuff because the fancy stuff is involved in assigning and you assign things to me and then I do them. You have the management aspect. Yeah, that's true. Whereas I'm just doing tasks. So I would say Asana is most crucial for me because Anna and Ransom and Martin, like they use it, but they're basically just getting tasks from me and then they do them. But from my perspective, Asana is essentially running the entirety of my business. Everything that is going on is in here in some way, some shape or form, unless it's a meeting or an event or something that goes in the calendar. But anything task related that needs to be done goes into here. A really cool thing about Asana is it has a calendar view. So I actually don't need to have an editorial calendar on my Google calendar. I don't have to have a schedule of when posts are coming out. Those can actually be seen in the Asana calendar view. Every project gets a different color for the tasks that go into the calendar. So I can go over here and I can see that, oh, cool. You know, this video is coming out this day. This podcast is coming out this day. It's really nice to be able to see that. And a cool little hack that you can do if you want, which you can also do with Wonderlist, is you can generate an RSS feed, which you can import into Google Calendar, and that will actually import your tasks into Google Calendar. So this isn't something that I really like to do that much, but if you wanna see all of your tasks by due date in your Google Calendar as all day events, you can do this, which can be kinda cool. If I turn it on, I see too many things, but some people like to see their tasks by calendar view, and that's a nice little thing to do if yeah. you want to do that. Um, let's see here. What else do we do with Asana here? Oh, we have standard operating procedures. Oh, that's so true. we have a project which never it doesn't ever get done. This is kind of a special project. It's just called SOPs, which stands for Standard Operating Procedures, and 
what the tasks are in here. They're basically just articles. So there's posting a video, there's editing a podcast, and there's publishing a podcast currently. And what these have in their task descriptions are step-by-step instructions on how to go from start to finish with whatever the task is about. So for posting a video, it starts with watch the video in Premiere, which is our editing program, one final time to check for errors or missing things, then we export, then we create video graphics, etc. And what I tried to do with these SOPs was I tried to write them so that anyone could accomplish the goal without knowing a whole lot of specific information. So for instance, I know in my brain that a Facebook and Twitter image needs to be 1200 by 627 pixels. I know that a card image needs to be 700 by 700 and saved in PNG format. So if I were writing this for myself, just as a kind of reminder, I wouldn't put those little details in there. I would just say, make card image, make Facebook image. But I wanted to write these so there'd be no question no matter who ended up doing it. And that's just kind of a forward thinking thing. Like I know you, Martin, you know a lot of the things in here and I probably wouldn't have had to write them down. But say we hire someone else in the future, say we grow big enough that we have someone who only does podcast editing. Well, yeah, you want them to have instructions because it's easier to write that now, make sure iron out the bugs along the way mm-hmm. than it would be to have them like get really confused or mess something up on accident because we took a fact for granted and didn't write it down. Yeah. And this is I think this is just something that is a product of good planning for the future. I think as a business owner, you have to really be well, obviously you want to grow, right? Yeah. You want to grow your business. You have goals. So when you're creating systems, you have to be forward thinking and ask yourself, how will the system hold up when we're a little bit down the road to where I want to be? And you can't get too mired in that. One example is you're editing this plugin that our friend Andrew sent to you right now. And he mentioned, you know, someday down the line, maybe this could be, you know, something that a lot of people could use. And that was actually starting to hamper us because we were thinking, oh, well, how do we code this so it'll be usable by hundreds of people in the future, even though we need it to. There's only so much future (laughs) you should really be planning for Mm -hmm. at the moment. Otherwise, you're going to overwhelm yourself. Yeah. Because you don't know all the variables. You don't know everything. Yeah. So that's really a balancing act. But for something like documents on how to get things done, I think if you write them with just anybody in mind, you know, could anybody come in, look at this and be able to figure everything out, then uh, that's going to really take a lot of work off your plate when down the line you hire somebody else because you can just say, hey, I'll sit down with you. But first, I want you to just read through this document I wrote. It's completely detailed. It should tell you everything you need to do. All the little tiny, little teeny details are there and uh, they should be able to get everything done because of that. Also, because they're detailed, when we change processes down the line, we can easily go in and update them and we don't have to read through the entire document again thinking, okay, did we reference something with an assumption that is now no longer the case because everything is explicit. Yeah, I think that's pretty helpful. For single projects, it's not a whole lot different, except for that these projects will eventually be marked complete. So the dorm buying guide they're working on right now is one very good example. And I think at this point, it might be good to compare Trello to Asana, because we used Trello, which was the Kanban app for the redesign. What do you think about Trello versus Asana for these one-time projects? Honestly, if it was just like visually speaking, and if I was just trying to work on a project, I prefer the look of Trello, Mm -hmm. 
but Asana seems to be very good for more of like the management perspective to run all these very little pieces of everything that's going on in your business. But I think as a student, at least I use Trello for web development projects and big school projects. If it took a lot of planning and there were a lot of pieces just because I like the card image thing. Yeah. And the nice thing about the cards is I'm looking at it right now. I can see little pictures that we have added to cards. So I know like the done category is our our biggest category here on our old project, which is good because that means it's mostly done. Yeah. But I can see we have attached little screenshots here and you can't see those by default in Asana just from the kind of bird's eye view. You actually have to drill into a task and then maybe drill into a subtask. But with with Trello, you can actually see everything from a glance, which is nice. And I kind of like the whole, at least with a single project, I like the whole act of taking a card, dragging it from to do to done. Yeah, that feels good. Mm -hmm. And I know we did it a little bit different than a lot of people do. A lot of people utilize Kanban to illustrate the stage at which every task is at. So, and just to paint a little picture for you guys here, Kanban is a system that was originally used with sticky notes and you would have columns on a whiteboard or a wall. And the columns would usually be something like planning stage. And maybe even before planning stage, there were features that have been requested, but have not even been started on yet. Then planning, then maybe design stage, then coding stage if it's a software project, and then finally done or ready for review. So the nice thing about that is you can physically grab a sticky note from requested feature and you can stick it on the planning. And then once it's uh, started to be coded, you could stick it over to coding. Once it's done, you can stick it over to done. There's this whole flow of moving the cards from stage to stage and you can kind of see what point of the project they're at, which for one singular big project, I think is brilliant. Yeah. And that might be the main strength of Trello there. Yeah, and well, and see, that's more likely to be the case when you're doing school projects or you're doing something in, in college than mm-hmm. managing your business that you have. Yeah, so if you've got a big group project, like a really big group project, I think a Trello board is quite possibly the best tool for it, especially if you have a lot of little things that are going to go through multiple stages of development. But... I think Asana is adequate for what we do. Yeah. It's not quite as amazing. We kind of have to think about things a little bit differently, but it does work. And for ongoing content projects, it's far, far better. I think I know we've used Trello in the past for ongoing content projects, but just the way the information is visually laid out in Asana just works a little bit better for my mind, especially because I can see all the boards in the side here. In fact, I think one of the reasons I like Asana so much is because it looks a little bit like Evernote where I've got my notebooks and then I've got my notes to the right of the notebooks pane. And then if I click a note, I get the note content on the rightmost part of the the app. And that's exactly how Asana works. I've got projects on the left. Then in the middle, I've got tasks in the project I've selected. And then I select a task and I get all the details for that task, subtasks, etc., which is really nice. Uh, You can also do recurring tasks, which is nice. So if I've got something that has to come up every few months, which like here's an example would be 
estimated taxes. I have to send quarterly estimated taxes every three months. So I have a task that just basically recurs to tell me to do that. And there is an entire project that we call maintenance where a lot of these kind of tasks live. So one maintenance task that happens every single year is to update our FAFSA article, which is for the free application for federal student aid with the new year's rules that come out from the government. So I have to check for when those be when those are published and then go on and update my article. So that will tell me every year to do that. And uh, there's also one for creating a monthly topic request thread. You've got one for flaring threads in the Reddit to make sure they're nice and organized, which happens every day. And then a really important one for you is we have to verify that the backups we make of our site are actually good and work. Yeah. <laughs> because if they don't, like, that's that's really bad. Yeah, that that's would really, be That's really, really bad. I have that task in there because I was moving servers once. The site basically outgrew our old server. So I had to export the database. And when I tried to export it, I was getting an error message. And then I went and looked at all the backups I'd been doing for months and it suddenly dawned on me, whatever is causing the error message in the database that's currently on the site, those backups have the same error. Yeah. I was terrified because it just suddenly dawned on me that possibly years of work could all be corrupt. Now, luckily it was, I think it was one problem in one little data row, which we just were able to clean perfectly fine nothing nothing went wrong but man was i scared (laughs) yeah naturally nothing like wondering if all of your backups and your production copy of possibly five years of your life's work is broken don't drop the database (laughs) (laughs) so we make sure we verify data integrity now um so that way i don't have a brain aneurysm pretty much And the last thing I want to talk about with Asana is a waiting tag that I use. So if you watched the video that I wrote on five lessons from the productivity project, Chris Bailey in that book talks about having a waiting list where you just put tasks that are currently waiting on somebody else to do something. So you can't take action on them until somebody else kind of puts the ball back in your court. Well, I didn't want to run an entire waiting list because I didn't want to move tasks from my list to the waiting list if it was, you know, somebody else was doing something. But luckily, Asana has a tagging feature, just like Evernote does. So I can just put waiting as a tag on any task that I'm currently waiting on someone else to to finish up for me. And then I have favorited the tag view for waiting. So I can go over there and I can see, okay, I'm waiting for this person from a bookstore to get back to me. I'm waiting for this person to get back to me about some graphic design work. And we also have a maintenance task, which happens every single week for me to check the waiting tag. So that way, even if I can't physically take action on a task, I'm waiting for someone else, nothing ever should slip through the the cracks because every week I'll go and review those. And if I need to, I can go send a reminder email to someone to start moving the ball a little bit further down the court. Yeah. To use sports metaphors. Now, I think think it's important (laughs) to point out that this this method of having a waiting method so that or a waiting tag, you could do this in both Wonderlist and Trello. Yes. So if you have like group projects in either of those, you can use this. Or wait, does Wonderlist have tags? Yeah. I think, okay. it, has a, I think it has a tag-like thing. Cool. It works a little differently, but it, you would be able to make it serviceable for this, I'm fairly certain. Mm, okay. 
I actually I do this hashtag in uh, things. Oh, gotcha. Well, hashtags are even cooler. Yeah. You can actually tag things in Evernote as well. At some point, I should do an Evernote video, but I've got my my notebooks, which essentially organize all the things in my life. But then I've got tags on certain notes. So that way, if there are notes in different notebooks that have some sort of relation to each other, excuse me, I can actually tag them and then I can view them all in one list. For example, uh, developing. I've got video scripts. I've got podcast outlines. I've got blog post scripts that are in some sort of stage of development. Maybe they're not ready to be made yet. Maybe they're just being researched. So I have a developing tag in Evernote. I can click that. And here's all my scripts that are close to done. So if I need something for a certain week, I can go look at these, but they're not quite done yet. Because I get to various stages of completion with the research on many different projects at once. And if I don't have a developing tag, they're just going to get pushed down and Evernote as I make more and more notes for newer and newer videos. And that doesn't help me at all because I put so much work into a bunch of ideas and then I lose them. Yeah, with having that an tag. in progress tag is actually a pretty good idea there mm-hmm. for like creative stuff. Yeah. And uh, the other one I have is called process. And the process tag has a ton of stuff in it. What it's for right now is for receipts that I have not logged yet. Because at the beginning of this year, I transitioned College Info Geek from a sole proprietorship, which was just me. Uh, it's a business structure that's literally just you, the very simplest one over to being an LLC, which means it's now a legitimate company. I am the president of the company and it needs a new accounting system. But my accountant was really busy with tax stuff at the time that I set it up. So I'm still waiting to get all the- Mark all this waiting. Yeah, basically. um, There is no accounting system for College of Googie right now. And we have to set up payroll. We have to set up a bunch of businessy things And I have no way to log my receipts, which you need to do when you run a business. So to make sure that I don't lose them, I use an app on my phone called Scannable, which is really cool. It automatically scans documents and then can send them to Evernote. And the thing I really like about Scannable is it will find the document. So if you hover your camera over a receipt or over some notes, maybe it will actually outline the paper based on the contrast of the paper to the desk or the surface and it will automatically scan it. So you don't even have to hit a button to take the picture, which is my favorite feature of it. And then you can port it over to Evernote really easily. So I'll do that and then I'll hop into Evernote and I will put the process tag on that new note with the receipts. So currently there's an entire year's worth of receipts in here. There's also a process folder in Gmail for all the receipts that have been emailed to me. And at some point in time, some poor soul is going to get an entire half year's worth of receipts dumped on them and they will have to put them into QuickBooks. And hopefully that person is not me. (laughs) Yeah. It might be me. Who knows? I'm not sure how much bookkeeping costs, but hopefully not. (laughs) So I think that that's pretty good for Evernote and uh, and Asana, you think? Yeah. I mean, basically these methods can be used. You can flex them around in the most other things. It's just like, how do you organize things? Yes. The systems all kind of have the same features with different user interfaces. Mm Mm-hmm and things depending on what your specialty is so yeah and like i said i think the main strength of asana is the team aspect of it are you running a business or are you working with a team on a daily uh, day-to-day basis if you are asana is amazing my friend matt Givanese is the one who turned me on to it because he's got a team of his own 
But if you're not, I think something like Wunderlist just kind of simplifies things down to a much more easy to manage degree. Yeah. But let's talk about extra task management systems because we don't only use Asana. So I'm sure you don't do you actually, you know what? You change productivity systems so often that. Whoa, you say that like (laughs) I'm the only one. I know I do, too. I'm guilty of it. But I guess I should ask, are you currently only using your today view and Asana to manage your tasks or do you transfer them over to some other kind of system? As far as College Info Geek tasks goes, I'm only using Asana. Okay. But, but for other stuff, I'm currently tracking a couple of habits. Mm-hmm. And for everything else, I'm just sticking lazy things like remind me to do laundry. I'm just telling Siri to do that. I'm just using my iCloud reminders. Oh, use the reminders app? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to keep things as simple as possible right now because I want to focus more on the College Info Geek tasks, which means I don't want a super complex system of personal things as well. Do you find that your today view in Asana is sufficient for keeping you focused on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. You think so? Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't really want to think about what I have to do tomorrow or the next day if I still have something to do now. Yeah. And see, that's the thing for me, and that's why I don't just use Asana. I do use the Reminders app occasionally because I can just tell my Apple Watch if I'm driving or something, hey, email this person when I get home or text my mom. What I found is as my business has become more complex, it actually gets hard to remember to text people or, you know, somebody Facebook messages me and I'm like, okay, there's another data point that I need to keep in my working memory, which doesn't work. So I need to externalize it. And Siri works really well for that. And then I do grocery lists in surprisingly Todoist. That's the only thing I use. That's interesting because I'm doing my grocery list using Siri also, because you can just be like, Siri, add milk to my grocery list. Well, okay, so I think you do grocery shopping different than I do. And I would go as far as to say my grocery shopping method is better than yours. Yeah. Shots fired. I don't know that that is even plausible. All right. Well, I'll let you be the judge. So the way that I do groceries, and I used to not do this, much to much to me running out of food a lot of times, I get my laptop out, I put it on the counter, and I open up Google Calendar first. And then Anna and I plan out all five or six meals we're going to have for the next week. We kind of assume that one of those days will be eating out somewhere. So five or six meals. I put them as all day tasks in Google Calendar so I can see on my calendar. Tonight we're scheduled to have pasta, which I cook. Tomorrow we're scheduled to have polenta. Yesterday we were supposed to have chicken and asparagus, which... uh, But you didn't, didn't. so your system failed. Well, we had to adapt because somebody needed a ride to photography class. Whoa. Whoa. So we ended up going to the British pub, which was pretty cool. But those are there. So then I'll open up to Doist and I will make a task in the grocery list for every ingredient needed for each of those meals. And then what I do is I go throughout the kitchen and I take inventory. Do I need more lunch meat for lunch sandwiches? Do I need more milk? Do I need more creamer for tea? Do I need more tea actually? And do I need more supplies like paper towels and dishwasher stuff, stuff in the bathroom? And for those kind of things, I follow the rule of two, which is that two is one and one is none, because if you run out of something and you have no backup, then you are screwed. So I always make sure we have backup paper towels, backup dish detergent, backup trash bags, that kind of stuff. I put it all into Doist. And before I leave, I drag the tasks into Doist in the order of how the store is laid out. So that way... When I'm walking through the store, 
everything is in order so I don't have to be running from one corner of the store to the other because I wrote my task list in an unorganized way. So produce is all grouped and supplies are all grouped, meats all grouped, etc. Okay. So that's how I do groceries. Is it better than yours? I don't I don't know. Yours is more complicated than mine because I basically just say this is my breakfast, this is my lunch, this is my dinner. Repeat the same meal for like 4 days until I run out and then I do it again. So wait, do you just eat the same meal like four days in a row? Yes. Okay. My groceries are ridiculously simplified because of this. So I can just buy a couple boxes of something and a box of cereal and some chicken breasts and say, I have food for the next four days. It will be a little repetitive, but I don't have to buy like 90 special ingredients for a bunch of recipes. So. I guess that makes sense. So if you want to be a little more Spartan about things. Yeah. Then your system well, works. Spartan Martin reporting for duty. That's brilliant. Oh, man. All right. All right. Fair enough. You can be Spartan Martin. What's up? In my defense. I mean, my food is not as interesting every day. Yeah. But that's the cost of simplicity. Mm-hmm. And Anna and I aren't too complicated. We're not trying to make new recipes every night because I honestly don't like to cook except for my one pasta making night, which is kind of a meditative thing for me. But we only eat like five or six different meals they just repeat every single week. But at least for me, that's enough variety and I'm totally fine with it. And then, you know, we go out to restaurants sometimes. So that works perfectly. Yeah, my system's just, <clears throat> my food's just very simplified right now because I don't have a lot of time that I want to spend cooking. I literally baked four chicken breasts at once and now I have lunch for the next several days. I'm just going to microwave my already cooked food. So that's smart. Yeah, I have often wanted to do batch cooking like that. And my problem is I'll do it once and then it works just great. I'll eat the meals. But then the next time it comes around, I've already went through the novelty of batch cooking one time and now I don't want to do it again. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess it's just there needs to be some disciplinary system put into place for batch cooking if I'm going to do that successfully. Currently has not happened. But I did want to talk about notebooks or, or whiteboards, actually. So what I used to do is I would make a week page in my physical paper notebook. So I would look at, uh, at the time to doist, it would be Asana now, and I would write the week's dates at the top of the page, and then I would put my tasks and my events. So I kind of had like a week view on paper. I've sort of stopped doing that because we've gotten very good with our Asana workflow, but I do still, usually at night before I go to bed, sometimes if I wake up in the morning and I forgot to do it at the night before, I will write what I'm going to do the next day on my whiteboard. And I think that, at least for me, is essential because I don't want to be looking at a sauna when I wake up and trying to decide what to do. I need to figure out what am I going to accomplish on this day, write it down, and stay focused on those maybe three, four, five tasks. And I know Chris Bailey in the Productivity Project recommends that you only have three big things you write down on your list. I often have more, but... I also often don't get the entire list done. So maybe it is a case where I need to actually cut down to just three and prove to myself that I can do it. But I do find the whiteboard essential for keeping myself focused. And I know you do use a whiteboard. So what is your whiteboard for? Well, right now my whiteboard's for kind of just a brain dump of ideas. So if I'm working on Mm -hmm. a web development thing and I'm like, I spend a lot more time when I have to do computery stuff planning than actually typing out the answers in the code. So I'm just, I spend a few hours thinking about something and then 
I've got to go to bed, but I'm like, I just solved it. So I just write down the answer on the board. I'm going to do it like this. Okay. And then I get a look at it the next day. I'm not really using it for tasks at the moment. Yeah. I have a tiny section up in the corner that's, these are little projects I want to do before Denver. It's like a huge, I want to go through all my stuff. I want to figure out what to do about cars. Lots of stuff like that. But those are things I don't need to look at almost ever. That's just a super long-term project, little tiny list. And those don't kind of stick in your head? Nope. Because they're, they're on the whiteboard right now. Okay. I've noticed when I my whiteboard's get... work on them, so like I, I guess don't want to overwhelm true. myself. Yeah. When my whiteboards get cluttered, it actually starts to clutter my brain. I think I've st- I've made a link between my brain's currently working on area and my whiteboard. So if it's just kind of clean slated with the day, I feel a little bit more calm. And if I just have my whiteboard just strewn with tons of different tasks and ideas and stuff, then I start to feel a little bit more scatterbrained. So I try to get that stuff into Evernote if it's an idea or Asana if it's a task or Google Calendar if it's an event, that kind of thing. I guess for me, it's all about processing events to making sure they're in the right buckets. Yeah. And then the whiteboard is just for what has risen to the top of each bucket that I need to deal with right now. So I wanted to take a few specific questions we got in this sort of like system area. Number one, have you ever used ift or is it what is it if it if I've this, always pronounced it if it, but if it I don't know. Somebody asked whatever. about if it I F T T T if this then that. Yeah. So the, if you're unaware, this is a site that lets you take one app and have it watch for an action from that app, and then it will trigger another action on another app as a result. And you can find that if I F T T T three T's dot com. Yeah. So have you ever used this? I think I used it for one thing once, but then got rid of my account. Honestly, I'm borderline self inconveniencing when it comes for my desire for simplicity. Even if it's a feature that would convenience me, I'm like, I don't want to keep track of that account in my head. I don't care. I don't want to think about it. Okay. Not, not even going to use it, which is why I'm a whiteboard telling Siri to remind me of stuff and then one simple habit system right now. I just gotcha. don't want to be thinking about other things. I don't want it to get complicated. Okay. Well, sometimes it hurts me. Yeah. But I like the simplicity for the most part. I do use it. I think you can come up with some really cool little things with this. Um, what I use it for, I guess I'll, I'll tell you what the first recipe I ever made was if there was a new XKCD comic that comes up in their, uh, their RSS feed, then it will email me that comic. So I used to get every XKCD comic in my email. Oh, I actually disabled that last September because I realized that's just something that makes me unproductive in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. I just go binge XKCD occasionally now instead. But what I do have is whenever I have a new blog post or video or podcast, anything that triggers the College of Geek RSS feed to have a new item, then my Beeminder graph gets updated. And Beeminder is an app that lets you basically bet money that you'll do things. So it tracks my RSS feed and I have set it to make sure that I at least publish two things per week. And if I don't, for long enough, it will eventually cut the graph will go into the red and I will lose money. And I think currently the bet's at $10. So with Beeminder, I think the bet triples every single time you lose. So if you have a habit that you have a really hard time doing, then you can steadily increase the stakes by failing and failing and failing until eventually, 
hopefully the idea is the amount of money on the line is so great. The potential consequence is so bad that you'll do it. Yeah. Now, if you're the kind of person who has, if there are literally other things in your way and that's not why you're doing it, please don't bet 10 grand (laughs) that you're going to get something done only to be like, I had to bring my family to the hospital or I'm constantly, I couldn't literally get it done in that time frame. I was being unrealistic. That's going to hurt. Don't do that. But it can be very, very useful if you are planning it correctly. Yeah. And I think the right way to use BeMinder is to set process driven goals. So instead of I will finish writing my book by X date or I will pay $10,000, you should do I'm going to write 500 words a day. So more of an input based goal, not an output based. Exactly. That's how I got my book done. Actually, I had a BeMinder goal that would ensure that I would write 500 words a day, which led to me literally at 1150 p.m. one night at Anna's mom's house during Christmas vacation. I was writing my 500 words on my phone in the bathroom because it was really loud from a movie, but I had to get it done. That can't be good for your thumbs, but good effort. Honestly, I have no idea, but I think some of those words that I wrote on my phone ended up in the book. So BeMinder was really useful and that if it recipe makes sure that I'm publishing things on my blog and the other ones that I have, I have an if it recipe for making sure I wake up on time, though I'm not currently using my Twitter wake up system. I used to use it, it was very effective. I don't feel I need it anymore, but that's technically still active. And then the one that is probably my favorite, I'm not sure if it's productive, but it's my favorite, is I have a recipe that will post my Instagram pictures as native Twitter pictures because Instagram is owned by Facebook and Twitter and Facebook don't really get along. So if you try to share an Instagram post to Twitter the regular way, it doesn't post the picture in your Twitter feed. And I don't like that. So there is an if it recipe, which will actually post the picture in Twitter. And it's great. Cool. Which I never have to think, do I want to put this on Twitter or Instagram? I just Instagram it and it goes to Twitter as well. And so the other question we had here was how often do you remove or change different parts of your productivity systems? My struggle is that I always find new tweaks and changes to make in my own system, which leads to me never getting into a long-term steady routine. So do we have the same problem? Uh, yes, <laughs> completely. Although I did mitigate it a lot when I was using Habitica earlier this year. Okay. How'd you do that? Well, one, I had a little note for potential changes, like on just a sticky note on the widgets part of my MacBook. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm like, maybe I should only read this much per week and that'd be better. I write it down on the note. And then every Sunday there was a go over your system is your system working and then that meant that monday through saturday when i got those ideas i put them in the note and then i ignore them don't change your stuff until sunday because if you change your stuff during the week you're never going to get anything done you're going to say tuesdays i should do this and then on tuesday you're going to say maybe i should do it on wednesdays instead and then you didn't do it you're just going to keep pushing stuff off so i made it so that once a week i could change things but monday through saturday i'm a robot i follow my instructions That's actually really smart. I try. That reminds me of one of the best tips for getting your spending under control, which is to have a 30 day list. So if you're an impulsive spender, you like to buy a lot of things. What you can do is set up a list and whenever you want something, you write it down to the list and then you wait 30 days from when you put it on the list. And if you still want it in 30 days, then you can buy it. Oh yeah, that is kind of similar. Yeah. 
And what you find out is a lot of the things that you did want 30 days ago, you don't actually want. Yeah. And a lot of those changes I wrote down in the sticky note near the end of the week, I was like, okay, I was just feeling lazy that day. Fine. Yeah. Fine. I don't need to make that change. That one's fine. But this is a good idea. I'll implement that right now because Sunday has always been kind of my personal projects and what am I doing in this upcoming week day for me. So I always used it to reset my system this year, at least. That is smart. Yeah, I don't do anything like that, though. What I have been doing recently, and I haven't even been using Habitica for this, I've been using Google Sheets, is I've been doing time-bounded challenges. So I've done two of these so far. The first one I did was a three-month reading challenge where I had to read 25 pages a day, every day for three months. And then the second challenge was just a very simple, I'm not going to drink for an entire month, uh, every single day, no drinking. So what I do is I track my progress on Google Sheets. There is a specific time goal, so I can't back out until the time goal's over. And I tell Martin that I will pay him a hundred bucks if I fail. And he has not had to pay me yet. No paying of the money. Yeah. So it's, it's an amount of money that wouldn't bankrupt me, but it would still be painful to lose. And it would also be very embarrassing because I would have to go update my public spreadsheet to tell people that I failed. And there's always a public page on my website for these goal pages. Um, I have them linked off of my impossible list. The reading one is currently linked as a crossed off goal. The drinking thing was, I would not call an impossible list kind of thing. <laughs> not drinking for a month. That's impossible. It's so impossible. I could yeah. never do that. So that was linked as a what's going on currently in my life thing. Now that it's over, it's not linked anywhere on the impossible list, but it was just there for accountability while the goal was happening. And I don't really care that it's not really easily accessible anymore because the challenge is over. So whatever my next goal is, there will be a time bounded uh, period for it. And I won't be able to change that part of the system until that goal ends. Well, what I like about that is that it makes it so that it's more sustainable because I know this is a habit that you have as well as I do, where you get a new idea and you're like, maybe, maybe I'm going to start skateboarding more seriously. But then you're like, will I have time for that forever? Can I do this forever? What if I don't have time like in five years when I'm doing something different? Everything becomes a ridiculously long-term commitment somehow. Am I going to make videos every week or bi-weekly? Can I do that seven years from now? Oh, no, I don't know. But these time-bounded goals are like, yeah, I could do that for a month or three. That's fine. And then after that, we'll see how it fit into my life. I don't have to worry about farther than that. And yeah. anything that keeps you from looking way too far into the future, I think is useful. Yeah, exactly. So Martin, I don't think we planned for this, but we have been recording for almost an hour. Oh no. And we have several items left on the routine. Do you want to make a part two for those items? Uh, I think that'd be a decent idea. Yeah, we could do that. Okay. Sorry to be a tease guys, but I need to go work on this week's video and we are also working on those resources pages. So in next week's podcast episode, we are going to go over the other parts of our outline here for our productivity system. We're going to talk about routines, our morning and night routines, scheduling, actually doing the work and finding motivation to get things done when we don't feel like it, making time for things, habits and goal setting. So look forward to those things in the next episode of the podcast. So it'll be kind of part two to this one. And uh, for now, you can find the show notes for this episode over at collegeinfogeek.com slash Actually, you know what? It's not collegeofgood.com. Nope. It's cigpodcast.com. And you can find the episode 120 link on the page to find all of our resource links, links to everything that we mentioned from apps 
to things I have written before or made videos about, all that kind of good stuff. You can also find ways to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which is a great way to support the show if you happen to like it and you want to see it grow and be more successful in the future. So huge props to you if you do that or if you've already done it. Thank you so much. Other than that, definitely go check out the resources page when it's finished. It should be out very, very soon, if not already by the time you listen to this. So collegeofbeauty.com slash resources. That's where you can find that. And that is all we got for you. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in next week's part two for this productivity systems overview. And until then, stay cute.